I do. So on, on our page at a thousand, I say you now own the money lap, and that then the cool oh. prize is coming later. <laughs> you could just have it. Yeah, you can have the money lap. You can have it. Here's how much it costs to run and operate, <laughs> and you got to make sure you make time to record a podcast once a week. Uh, but it's all yours. <laughs> yours. Have fun. Good luck. I'm just going to start. Let's just do it. You just Let's know talk about it. Money Lap Live. Let's spend some time yeah. on it. Money Lap Live. This is what we're doing here in the offseason, Landon. It's going to be epic for basically four or five weeks. We haven't fully decided how many. We're going to figure it out. Starting mm. next week, next Wednesday from 12 to 3 p.m. Eastern time, we are going to do Money Lap Live. These are live shows on YouTube and Twitch. They're going to be all over the internet. We're figuring that out as we go. We're going to have multiple guests Myself here from Connecticut, you in Iowa, um, and it's going to be a lot of fun, dude. This is going to be cool. When everyone else basically shuts down, we're turning up at the Money Lab. That's right. I will be doing it. I'll be recording live from Iowa. Week two, I'll be in North Carolina. Um, I think I'll be in Iowa again, but I'm looking forward to this. This is just going to be, to me, it's it's not going to be as structured. It's just going to, I don't know, we're just going to shoot the breeze and talk about racing all these topics that we love going down rabbit holes, maybe we'll have more time to just go further down the rabbit holes. So we'll have yeah. some more broadcast. Since it is a live broadcast, I think you guys have uh, been working hard on some animations and some different visuals for those that are listening on video or watching on video, listening on audio. You'll have the same experience. You can speed us up, slow us down, whatever you want to do. Yeah, that's going to be a cool part is it will still go out on podcast form as well. So, you know, it will be primarily video-based, uh, but you will be able to listen to it just like any other podcast. And we'll do some things that are visual-based, but really, as you put it, it's just going to be bigger conversations with more people. You know, we're hoping to have three to four different guests per episode. So this is going to be from around the yeah. motorsports world, not just NASCAR. Some good ones. Yeah, not just IndyCar, but Formula One, all, all around the world. Supercars, you name it, sports cars. We're trying to have a group uh, over this offseason into December that's going to basically touch every facet of the motorsports world, which would be very cool. This has been a dream of mine for a long time, Landon, um, yeah. and we're finally going to make it happen at the Money Lap, which is cool. Money Lap Live. Let's do the PR Lap, diving into this episode, still in podcast form, uh, and you can watch it on YouTube, of course. We had some reviews, one new one on Apple Podcasts, the podcast NASCAR fans needed so desperately from Moose Lodge. Thank you, buddy. Spotify, uh, my theory on Perez's extended stay in Red Bull. The Red Bull seat is his massive advertising presence and following in Mexico that seemingly no one in their stable can match other than Danny Rick, maybe. And Drangor, great take on the finish of the race. Not a particular fan of either, but I think Creed handled himself very well off the race. Those guys are lucky to be able to see mm. the replay during the interview. Talking about Sheldon Creed and Austin Hill at Martinsville. And Dobzilla just found this podcast awesome job uh not many hey, things some... what's that sometimes the best compliments are the most simplest ones yeah that's really very kind of them we didn't have a ton of comments uh on the youtube but we did have some great discussions going on on the will buxton episode where myself and will buxton debated track limits uh some really great discussions happening there which was awesome so fun to see um we also if you're a subscriber of the money lap newsletter on the moneylap.com which comes to your inbox three times a week you may have noticed uh today we announced a referral program so basically from starting at three referrals if you send it to three friends who become subscribers 
all the way up to 500 friends. There's all sorts of different things you can win, including uh, we have gift card, $100 gift cards to the F1 store, NASCAR store, spoiler die cast. You get a free die cast at like 15 or 10. Um, there's uh, stickers available at like five. Uh, at 500, though, you get race tickets of your choosing to an F1 NASCAR IndyCar race that we will pay up to $1,000 for you to get. I thought we were and, giving away a vehicle. Well, we, we're – wait a second. Oh, are you – you, <laughs> Didn't you want to give away a car? I do. So on, on our page at 1,000, I say you now own the money lap and that, that the cool oh. prize is coming later. <laughs> you could just have it. Yeah, you can have the money lap. You can have it. Here's how much it costs to run and operate, and you got to make sure you make time to record a podcast once a week. Uh, but it's all yours. It's yours. Have fun. Good luck. So that will – yeah, we can get – you're the right place for that. Maybe we can, we can find a way to do that later. I don't know. There you go. Okay. I like it. I like it. Um, before we jump out of this, just have to say, finished my season at Big Machine Racing, the Xfinity Series, we finished 10th in points, went in 8th at Phoenix. I had a dreadful event, uh, just overall, one of our worst races of the year, weekend in total. And we fell from 8th to 10th in the points, um, so that, that hurt a little bit financially and, and just mentally and, I think, uh, spiritually as well. But it's okay. Just hit all three, the trifecta, yeah, hit all three. the holy trinity. In, the holy trinity in, of racing emotions. In 2013. <laughs> I did a full season in Xfinity and I finished ninth in points, I think, like a couple behind Larson. So you've gotten uh, worse in 10 years? So, got, so basically, yeah, I got worse by one spot. Come on. Oh, gosh. What is the deal? What does that say? What does it say? I'm Ugh. just devastated. Yeah. <laughs> 10 years later, you're like, man, I must be so much better than I was then. 10th. <laughs> I don't know. It's got to uh, feel like it was a better season for you. I think it was it an was. incredible season. Incredible it. season. Thank you. Yeah. So stats-wise, top fives and top tens definitely dominate incredible. my yeah. my 2013 season. So it's those darn stage points. They don't play mm. well for guys like you and me that nope. that have that grizzled veteran, know how to take care of our stuff, know how to be there at the end, know how to, you know, it's it's you have to like take risk all race long. And maybe maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, uh, for the sport and for excitement, and um, but you've got to be, you gotta, you gotta really be in position all race long to make sure you capture those stage points. Um, that ultimately, I think you probably not that I'm probably preaching to the choir, but uh, you go back on your season or your playoffs at least, and probably don't need to finish any better than you did finish in any of the races. Mm -hmm. If you just would have captured some stage points, you would have been fine. If we doubled. Our stage points, uh, which would have put us in line with a lot of the cars we are with, then yeah, yeah we're in a whole. I mean, new that world. that was the case. Stage for points me last everything. year, everything. That was the case for me last year. It was like, yeah, we needed some better finishes, and we had some uh, anomalies with our with some of our mechanical failures, but it was really stage points that made the difference. Yep. Well, um, I can agree with that. One hundred percent. Speaking of making the difference, um. We have a special request from Spoiler Diecast this week. Because I don't even have a full-on ad read, but you know that SpoilerDieCast.com is taking care of you on all your motorsports diecast needs, not just NASCAR, IndyCar, F1, all that stuff. You've heard it before. But I got a message from Spoiler Diecast that sliding this right in time. Not sure if this will get to you guys in time, but want to make sure and mention that all the championship merchandise is available on their site. So they've got 
all kinds of stuff for the series. Ryan Blaney, race version diecast available for pre-order, all three champions as well as the Blaney Championship apparel. So trucks, Xfinity, Cup, you've got your championship apparel at SpoilerDieCast.com. The apparel ships fast too, so you'll look cool at Thanksgiving uh, with your family. People will be like, dang, how did you get that stuff? Um, I would imagine you can get it in time. So fast shipping, SpoilerDieCast.com. They have it all within a week or so. Get your fix. Get your championship fix. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, that's a big deal, right, when you can turn around. They were selling championship stuff on the track, uh, which they do each year in a little trailer right at the stage, which I always thought was so funny. So, like, they have it ready for whoever wins the championship in that trailer. I'm I'm wondering (laughs) if they bring four trailers or they just quickly set it up when they see who's going to win. I don't know. But it had all this Blaney stuff inside of it. And if you weren't at the track and you weren't there at the championship stage, then go to SpoilerDieCast.com. They've got it all, and as they said, it ships fast. It's right in stock, so go get your championship apparel across all three champions in the NASCAR top series. But as you mentioned, they only they don't only have NASCAR; they have everything else. So pretty cool. Yeah, um, pretty cool. Since it's Wednesday, we can look back at this championship uh, finale across NASCAR and kind of pick some maybe deeper topics to go into. I think everyone that's listening at this point has probably seen the races or heard some of the biggest. News yeah. items, but you know, I think one of the things coming out of the weekend that started off was the absolute shit show that was the NASCAR Truck Series <laughs> race. Um, and now we have some even more uh, evidence of that here on Wednesday. The NASCAR has fined Corey Heim $12,500 and docked him 25 points for his actions during the truck race, which, if you didn't see it, it was a complete wreck fest, including. The you know championship four Carson Hosevar got in the left rear of Corey Heim and spun him out at one point, and then later with like twelve to go, Corey seemed like it was pretty bleak that he was going to get back there, and he straight up just turned into Carson Hosevar um, into the wall. I think, I think and, he should get fined another twenty yeah. five hundred dollars just for his poor <laughs> porker face in his interview. <laughs> Or that's maybe that's into, yeah. Maybe that's what earned him the twelve thousand five hundred in the first place was his interview. <laughs> I I'm thinking of a specific moment. I don't know if he said it on the broadcast or if it was uh, um, captured on social media, but I think he said, "Only I will ever know." It was like the way he said it with this shit-eating grin and a wink, almost <laughs> was like I, I think it was like Matt Weaver. I don't know if it was Bob Pockers or Matt Weaver that asked him, like, "Did you do it on purpose?" And he's like, "Only I will know." And it was like, what? <laughs> you uh, nope. Apparently NASCAR knows as well. <laughs> yep. Uh, apparently NASCAR knew enough to dole out a fine. Um, NASCAR is getting pretty serious about penalizing drivers, which sparked some interesting debates. It sparked quotes from Denny Hamlin um, about you know needing to penalize drivers for rough driving. Um, obviously, where we grow up in the grassroots level, level of racing, that's a – kind of a normal thing to send people to the back you know every a lot of mm-hmm. different tracks have their own policies whether you know the offender goes to the back or i i actually like policies where both cars go to the tail regardless there's i like a no fault policy um but um you know i racing people don't usually typically th- don't people don't typically think of it like this but i racing sort of has a no fault policy um with the way their system is built with um, incident rating and things like that. So, um, 
I I like a no fault policy. I don't I don't think NASCAR. I don't like NASCAR having to all of a sudden become this judge and jury on gauging intent and whatnot. But it is it is not easy when the driver gets out of the car and just almost makes it obvious that it was on purpose. I think we need a real license system. Oh well, yeah, hundred percent. I think it's just this has just become ridiculous at this point, and I think it's ridiculous to me. Like, you know, I get the boys have at it, and I like that side of NASCAR, and I do like the contact of NASCAR. But I mm-hmm. think when it becomes very obvious and intentional, right, and where you see – or someone becomes a consistent bad actor in terms of their intent. Or not, I don't – like you can't measure intent. Yeah, but their, their attitude, the way they, t- they handle it. They're obviously not qualified to race at that level. Exactly. It's, and I think that's, – That's really what it comes down to. And it's just you haven't you you might have all the talent in the world, but it's just you're not that level. And I think when you look at Carson Hostovar, right, this is a kid who's really fast, no doubt about it. Can mm-hmm. win races, proven that this year. Can run mm-hmm. at the cup level and run with the best, proven that again this year. But has this element of constantly, intentionally wrecking people, <laughs> like just yeah. intentionally running into them, and it's so blow you know obvious and it's like this is something that which i don't think they have it perfect but in formula one with the super license system he would have had enough reprimands or violations at this point that he would not be given a super license going into next year Hmm. i think that is something that could loom for some drivers that would create an element of uh, you know it also create an element of respect amongst the fact that you get to cup right now it's definitely becoming you know with the idea that you're going to go trucks to cup and this is going to happen more and more you're going to continue to devalue what it means to really go to cup in that sense. And I just think that's a problem. So we need a license system. Um, I have thought that this, I, I, going back to my point about a no fault system, because I, mm-hmm. I agree with that. Although I don't want to have this, I don't like the idea and I don't think NASCAR wants to have to officiate fault either. They don't want to deal with that. I mm. would love to see a licensing system that can have a no fault, you know, algorithm built into it, right? So if you're just involved in an incident, it's a mark against your record. Yep. And as you know me personally, and you know my 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 ethos around how I made it a you know I have made a career as a um, professional racing driver for teams that needed to hire me and not tear up their equipment. Um, that's a very well part of your business. It doesn't matter if a meteor falls from the sky and lands on your car. If it wrecks your car and puts you out of the race, it's, that's you have, you're the one to have to answer that. You can, it doesn't do anybody any good to, you know, be on your way to the airport talking about how it was somebody else's fault. Yeah. Right. So having a no fault system to sort of track incidents, right. And monitor incidents, whether, whether it's, Carson Hosovar, who dumped the guy, and Carson, obviously, whether it was his fault or not, whether he did it intentionally or not, it's a mark against his license that he caused a yellow. Um, And then same to the guy that was the one that got dumped, whether it was his fault or not that he got dumped, whether he got dumped by someone who did it on purpose, doesn't matter. You cause a yellow, you have a mark against you, right? Fault or no fault. And that goes against your license, which can affect your... Super license rating. Yep, I think. Or that's... your your gold cup, your gold cup license rating. Sorry, your I gold muted cup myself. license. <laughs> yeah, so I like. I mean, I think that's interesting. And to your point, it's the i racing style of like there's just incident points when cars connect to each other, and it doesn't matter whose fault it is. 
The only thing is it couldn't be public because, you know, I think that's something that iRacing does, which is like if there's an instant limit, they don't publicize it because you know – or actually do they show it now where you can – Yeah, they do. You can, yeah, you, you can, can look see at, if they have four you, X, another 4X, you can get rid of them out of the race. Yeah, that's <laughs> oh, you true. Can see oh, post-race. gosh. If, you can't oh, see yeah. it during – yeah, yeah, because that's what I was saying. I was like, you can't see it during the race because you could know they need a 4X and just be like – Boop. All right, goodbye. Okay, so you're at the end of the season. You and another driver are candidates for a cup ride. Yeah. <laughs> and so you know and that... you've got enough incidents in the bank, and he doesn't. <laughs> so you dump him. That'd be a problem. Oh, yeah. There's always something. But I, I, you know, I don't know. I think that um, I've had, I've, I've, seriously, I've run, this is perfect for uh, Money Lap Live. We can have this conversation. Josh, write it down, bring it, add it as a topic, and we'll, we'll, we'll dive deep into it next week. So, I've got plenty of ideas on on where this licensing system could go, what it could look like. I think incidents could be a huge factor in it all. I I also think just this this is tough, and I'll we'll go deep into it in Money Lap Live. But I think pure results should be a factor, and mm. and where we'll have fun debating this is your knee jerk reaction is like, oh well, people have equipment and you know good cars and bad cars. I get it, and I would love to find a way to balance it out, but I would love to find a way to have this licensing ladder system where you just simply can't get a cup license without having a top 10 finish in Xfinity. Like, so you it's just not, yeah, or, it's not crazy. or like a minimum number of starts, you know, like some combination of starts and top 10 fin- where it's just like you just, you just can't get one. You just can't yep. get a license. Yep. Like, so, you know, if, if, if you've got all the starts and you've got the incident rating and all you need is a top 10, then you got to get find a way to get in a good car or go to Talladega, run Talladega and Daytona and get your top 10. Um, mm. You know, I like, cause anyways, so we'll dive into that in money. Lap we'll go live, share some thoughts. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll bring that one back up. I would, the last thing I'd like to say is I know there was a lot of conjecture about this race afterwards and such about the truck race and the, how bad it was and everything. And I, I do, have a little bit of opinion to say like one you know these championship races can't have drivers from higher series so this is purely young drivers and and whatever yep. uh and two you know judging nascar which i saw a lot of the internet doing off of the third tier series is like judging formula one off of the carrera cup support series at some races like yeah it's like come on this is there's a reason there's a hierarchy and you know i don't think that's entirely fair so um Moving on, uh, you know, Grant Infinger lost a championship to Ben Rhodes. Congrats to Ben Rhodes. They they found a way. And Rich Lucius, Lucius, Luscious, Lucius. Yeah. Your buddy, your buddy. There. Yeah. Um, in Xfinity, as I mentioned, not the best weekend for myself and Big Machine Racing. We, uh, we, we, didn't, we probably had one of our worst races of the year. Unfortunately, we fell from 8th to 10th in points. At one point, I guess we were within two points of 7th, which would have been wonderful. Would have loved that. Didn't happen. Really great battles, though, amongst the championship four, um, even with Justin Allgaier spinning early in the race, which I saw when I was like, oh, boy, that's not good. And then he found a way to come back and be in contention. In the end, Cole Custer came out on top. Far cleaner affair in the Xfinity series. Cool for Cole Custer, by the way. You know, a guy who has been to cup, won a race, Gets demoted essentially, comes mm-hmm. down and wins a championship. That's a that's a great recovery by him and if sort you're, of a statement. If you're Cole, I you know I honestly I don't think we gave Cole a lot of attention. Uh, we don't talk. We really don't talk about him too much. Um, <laughs> and 
and on, when he when he won that when he won that i was just like you know what dang good for him good for him yeah yep. like i don't i don't know i mean it's the guy's had opportunities he doesn't he's uh he doesn't need a bone by any means i'm i'm not trying to be hard on him but like he's won he 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 dominated xfinity that's how he got his cup ride he got a fair shake in the cup series and really good equipment mm-hmm. um it probably didn't work out the way that he was hoping for it to and you know maybe that doesn't mean he's not capable um, but in your position, what more could you ask for than to, you know, um, go out and win the championship? So good for him. Congratulations. I I agree with that. That's well said. And he's a good dude, you know. Um, mm. Moving on to the Cup Series on <laughs> on Sunday <laughs> of that weekend, I was in the pits. Yeah. Uh, it is Ryan Blaney who comes out on top. There was some tight race. Well, first of all, uh, Christopher Bell got had a mechanical yeah. throw with the brakes which was kind of wild and i am interested to see what comes of that because you know we've seen these brake problems at times but this one championship race no tape on the brakes at that time and still was able to explode a rotor so not a good luck. i had i had some brake trouble in those cars last year okay um and i i mean i felt like it was there's a lot of driver related to it um mm. and i don't i mean i don't know Bell is, I mean, he's as as good as it gets. So, but hey, there's, I don't know. It's that I'm very interested. I don't know if they've really said anything about it. I don't know if there's much to talk about about you know the, now that the season's over. If they're really gonna s- explain what happened to that car, but it just mm-hmm. seemed to me like he overcooked him, <laughs> and and that can happen with those the, with the next gen. Those brakes are so there's so much there's more brake than than you need you can really overuse them pretty easily yep. especially at a place like phoenix so um a lot of times that happens from an ill-handling car i mean well he wasn't running bad yep um but you know maybe he was maybe he was making up for um an ill-handling car and getting too much out of it and just overuse the brakes adam stevens did say it was on you because they had the tape off of the brakes uh from there um after his incident Steve Letarte gave one of the coolest breakdowns of the uh, brake explosions in the most succinct way, which I said should win an Emmy, uh, which then got picked up by a sport site uh, that now has an article that my buddy of mine sent me from, like, msn.com and, like, the front page of Microsoft Bing. <laughs> Being like, Parker Klingman wants, wants co-worker to win an Emmy. I was like, wow, this is how I always knew I'd go national. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, interesting. One of the things that happened in that race uh, towards the end, as Ryan Blaney got past Kyle Larson, and you know William Byron sort of faltered after dominating early in the race, Ryan came upon Ross Chastain at one point, and they actually bumped into each other and raced. You know, at least Ross, I don't think raced really that hard. He just arrow blocked and did what he does so well, trying to win a Cup yeah. race, which is a big deal, right? Um, goes on to win the race. Ryan Blaney wins the championship. So no harm, no foul across both sides. Before I go to the next part of this topic, just from your point of view, anything that stuck out from there that you wanted to get into? Because to me, it seemed like hard racing in the Cup Series in 2023. Mm-hmm. It happens to be that one car is racing for a championship and, and one wasn't. I don't know. I didn't. It didn't matter to me. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm like, this business is usual to me. The guy's <laughs> racing hard. Uh, for, you know, Chevy and a Ford. A uh, driver who wants probably wants to make a statement 
or just wants to get paid for winning races. How about that? Uh, it's typically how drivers too. get paid. You yep. know, they get they get paid fairly well when they win. They get paid, you know, they make a little more money. They do better for their career when they win versus finishing second. It's amazing um, how that works, you know? It really <laughs> is amazing. Um, not sure if there was any bonus out there for, for uh, Chastain to, you know, for Blaney to win. For Chastain, if Blaney won. So we can yep. check on that, though. So the, the next part of what I want to get into... <laughs> Uh, it's not all about the money. But it's not. The trophies no. are nice too. But this show is called Money Lab, so we do don't don't mind going that route. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The next part of this I want to get into. Before I do, I'd like to say that I love my spotter, Brendan McReynolds. <laughs> he's a great spotter. He's a great. He's great at his job and an unbelievable spotter at Superspeedways and gave me great descriptions. But I do not care. <laughs> whatsoever if spotters have discussions with nascar or are told things that doesn't get relayed to the team or the driver in that case not a doesn't matter moot point don't care we've raced without spotters before could always don't really think they matter in that sense there is a bit of a conjecture on the internet right now from a certain podcast with spotters that <laughs> nascar asked them <laughs> asked the one spotter to not to basically stop racing the twelve so hard or calm down, right? Because they're racing each other. Which mm -hmm. Mike Ford from NASCAR refuted by saying the official saw the spotters of the one and the twelve getting heated during the battle for the lead and asked them to calm down. There's the certain spotter saying, you know, nope, this is uh, this was them saying calm down about the racing. Obviously, one of the spotters I involved in this I know quite well, as I mentioned, is my spotter. But I go back to something once again in that. I really, really don't care. <laughs> help me out. Help me figure out why I should care. They, they do, uh, they do, you know, it depends on every team. They've got different ways of communicating the, the priorities and informations, information to the spotter from the spotter to the driver. And if, if there's a directive that says, Hey, you know, take it easy here or whatever, I suppose it's still the driver's choice. Only one person drives the car. Um, but you know, as there's, as you've, we've all heard the saying, there's, there's my side of the story. There's your side of the story and the truth is somewhere in the middle. <laughs> and to be honest with you, I don't give a shit either <laughs> because I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know. Okay. Okay. This is okay. Now we got our jokes out of the way. Um, cause I'm not trying to down talk the spotters or door bumper clear what they talked about the, what they <laughs> felt was important at that time um so what is but the really, what is the well, what is the heated debate here that's happening i guess is like did nascar I, well, ask the 12 the one car to stop racing the 12 so hard basically is, is the debate as if this did nascar or, or is somebody claiming that nascar did they're basically claiming that it, this happened that nascar did ask them to to calm down racing the 12 which I just, I guess, would be odd, as we put it. It's cars racing for the lead. But it's to a spotter who can tell the crew chief, who can talk about, you know, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean it directly goes to the driver who, at the end of the day, is driving the car. Like, I, what? I okay, so <laughs> let me just think about this. Let, let's, just, let's just play this out for a second. Mm -hmm. The allegation is that NASCAR told a spotter the spotter of the one yep to 
calm down, implying to not race the twelve as hard. Right? Is that, that the that's, is that what that's the what allegation I'm, is? That is what I'm gathering from what I've seen. So you think that NASCAR? How did? Let's just let's just assume that NASCAR did this, right? How did NASCAR want that to be communicated to the driver of the one car? <laughs> uh, hey, Ross, it's your crew chief here. Just want to let you know that NASCAR has asked us for you to race the 12 a little easier. Do you, do you think that that's what NASCAR wanted the one team to do? Absolutely not. Do you think that in any universe, if NASCAR – like? Do you think that NASCAR would put themselves in a position for the one team to call their driver up and say, hey, NASCAR is asking us for you to cool it? Does that make any sense? No. That's why I find it ridiculous. So when you see a NASCAR spokesperson saying that an official saw spotters getting heated, yelling at each other during a battle for the lead, and in the, in the, in the spotter official de-escalated the confrontation saying cool it do you think that makes more sense because more the sense one thing i will that... say that i believe a hundred percent yeah that two spotters that allegedly stand next to each other right are elbowing each other or in each other's face saying hey race me easier because spotters do that all the time they all the throw time. Hand, I, by throw hands i don't mean fight but like they throw their hands up on the spotter stand, you know, in mouth, you know, it's so loud they don't actually talk to each other or maybe they <laughs> pull their headsets. But, like, you know, they're they're mouthing to each other, like, get out of the way or what the hell or, you know, give me space. So if these guys are mouthing at each other because they think that they're, you know, enabling their driver to race hard or putting each other at risk and one's racing for a championship, one's racing for a win and he doesn't care, I can I believe that there was maybe a heated confrontation. And it makes sense that a spotter official would have said, hey, guys, cool it. We don't need to fight on the spotter stand or calm down or get back to racing. But if there is an implic, if there's like this implication that the spotter was saying to the one spotter that, that, hey, relay a message to your driver from the spotter stand that we would like him to calm down. <laughs> Like that, what kind of, what is, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That did not happen. That did not happen. Well, no chance. hold on. But I thought that the spotters drive the car. I don't know. I, you, I'm with you on that. <laughs> I like to tease about spotters. Um, <laughs> I and I won't, I'm, not, I'm actually not, I'm not, I'm not entirely <laughs> railroading you here, even though maybe it feels, feels like I am. I love to tease on spotters. I should call <laughs> Freddie Kraft right now so he can listen to this live. You should definitely put him on your. <laughs> but but so I'll tease with I'll tease on spotters with the with with the best of them. Um, but I do respect those guys, and they are they they I I have plenty of debates to be had of the actual use case of a spotter, and that's a totally different conversation. Totally, different. but the spotters in their current state and the way we use them, they are an asset to these teams. Um, and they do provide, you know, a very unique form of communication between the driver and the team and the crew and all that stuff. So I have respect for that. And the drivers are passionate and they, um, they, a lot of them are, are assist their drivers in many different ways. A lot of drivers, uh, spotters do 
have a very high carry a very high degree of self-worth when it comes to their role and how their car gets around the racetrack. Um, and that is, that is fine too, because I've had spotters that I needed that help from. So, um, just ask them, they'll tell you exactly how much help I needed. But anyways, <laughs> Freddie was one of them. I love Freddie. Um, and I should mention, I am, I did preface my, my, uh, pseudo rant with the idea that I love my spotter. So I, I do love my spotter. Him. So here, here, that's all I needed but, to say. Now I'm going to shit on him. No, no, I didn't shut him. I, I just think sometimes you put it, there is occasionally a, a thought process. Like, like when I think of spotters fighting or that sort of thing, I'm like, none of you are driving the vehicle yeah, <laughs> like, come on you know what i'm not i'm gonna defend the spotters on that i need my i, I need know, my man. boys to back me up i don't they're, know man. they're just as I much a part of the race as as a driver don't i you know what i i appreciate having a spotter that's passionate about what's going on and and most of the time those fights do end with i don't drive the car yeah <laughs> that's the like point. no it, you literally see that how many I, like somebody should do a compilation. Well, I think the of, same. Of, hold on, I think the same clips, thing. TV clips of crew chiefs and spotters just being like, "I don't drive the thing" because they that, because they I think literally... the same thing. Half the time, mm -hmm. I think the same thing. If a car runs into you on track, like if a car driven by a driver decides to turn left and ram into you and your right side door and spin you into the wall or whatever, yeah. The last thing on. I think. Hold on. The last thing I think getting out of there is like, "Where's the crew chief?" Give me the crew chief. Yeah, like, you're just like, looking for somebody. But think of it this way: the spotters, the spotters' intensity in their voice and their aggression of how well, how tight they, even though they don't drive the car, the spotter can control at least their own inflection, how much they're raising and lowering the energy on the radio, right? And that's that's all they're implying that these spotters to each other, all they're implying to each other is like. If Ross is leading and throwing blocks and, you know, racing aggressive, putting himself, putting the 12 car at risk, and the spotter is spotting aggressively too, then mm -hmm. there's this, then that's, that's the grounds for these guys to be like, hey, what are you doing, man? Take it easy. You know, and these guys, and that's where the spotter can defend and be like, I'm trying to win a race, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to clear my driver to the inch instead of clear him conservative, conservatively, or I'm going to stay right on top of him and, you know, make sure he knows exactly what lane that, you know, your driver's in. And yep. that's, that's where those guys can get intense and get, feel some ownership over what's going on. And I don't blame them for that. I'm on board with that. I get it. Um, I'm just, I, I, I also going to the core of the problem is it my understanding here is that they are trying to say that the one, that there was a message delivered from NASCAR to calm down the one car. And I do not understand any logic around that, and I ho hope that that's not what's actually being claimed because that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Deal. Deal. <laughs> anyway, moving on from this talk, uh, Ryan Blaine's your champion, and before we move out of NASCAR, I think you know that was a lot. One other thing I'd like to say, actually, though, um, Kyle Larson trying to run down Blaney at the end there, trying everything he could. I thought that was pretty compelling stuff at the end of the race. So um, didn't get the championship, but tried everything he could to try and get back to that 12 car. And I thought that was pretty cool. Seeing one of the best. Best there is. Maybe the best one day to ever do it. Um, 
trying to make it happen, just couldn't find a way. So I'm going to do something fun, though, because one of the other big discussions on the internet this week has been the validity of the champions. So I'm just going to read you, Landon, some stats. No names, nothing, and you just tell me if that sounds like a championship season or not. Oh, okay? my gosh. Is this right. is this is this kind of like how you've been trying to keep track of Winston Cup points all year long? No, 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 no. Uh, I I don't <laughs> keep track of I don't keep track of those things. You know that. I'm not in that. All right, let all me right. have it. Uh, one win, seven top fives, fourteen top tens. So I gotta guess the driver, or guess no, the points. No, you say if that sounds like a championship season or not. No. Okay. And then I'll tell you who the who the three are afterwards. Uh, three wins. Is, is this all in cup? No. That probably should have helped you. <laughs> <laughs> three wins, eight top fives, 18 top tens. No. But potentially. Okay. Three wins... 14 top fives, 21 top tens. There's your champ. Okay. Tell, lay it on me now. <laughs> the order did of those, I take the bait? <laughs> the order did, of the, so here's the best the part. Bait, all, all three of those drivers won a championship this weekend. Okay. <laughs> I think it helps out a little bit, but I thought it was kind of fun. Uh, your first one with one win, seven top fives, and 14 top tens. Remember, they only do 23 races. Ben Rhodes. Ben Rhodes. There you go. Uh, your second one, though, this is where it gets a little more compelling because there is closer amount of races. Your second one, though, was uh, Ryan Blaney at three wins, eight top fives, and, and 18 top tens. Two, and your third, two your of last his one, wins. Yeah. Two of his wins came in the last three weeks. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Um, Martinsville. And he won Talladega. Early in the season? Uh, no, he won the Coke 600, and then he won Talladega in the playoffs. And then... Uh, oh, so he won four races. No, he won three races, because he finished no, he second won three in the races. championship. Yep. yep. No, he won the championship. Blaney was the second one. At three wins, eight top fives, 18 top tens. And the last one, which you said sounded like a championship year, was Cole Custer. Three wins, yeah. 14 top fives, 21 top tens. Obviously, Xfinity First Cup, not a fair comparison. One, less races in Xfinity, but also totally different uh, competition. Deeper bench in Cup. Yeah, yeah, way deeper bench. So I think it was just fun to do that because there's a lot of conjecture about formats and that sort of thing. But to me, you know, when you take some of these seasons, you just sort of peel them out into raw numbers. They can feel Championship S, no different than you know, championships that were won the old way with mm -hmm. small amounts of wins and lots of consistency. So I, I, I see, you know, where uh, sometimes people have a problem with, you know, maybe they don't lead stats like best average finish and all that stuff, but it's just not, it's not how it's designed. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you extrapolate them out, they can feel like championship seasons, no matter what, if they were the most deserving or not in some people's eyes. Is there a, do you feel like in other sports that have a playoff system that a surprise champion can, you know, comes out of a playoff format where what happens at March Madness all the time with like the underdogs, right? 
16 seed goes on to all the way to the championship, right? Yeah. Like, what's the yeah. difference in that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't. I don't know other sports really well, but I feel like I I struggle to know like if that's a big difference, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And the old argument always, as producer Josh brought up, is Matt Kenseth 2003 championship season, which apparently you know some people like to say brought on the the playoff format, the chase at that time when he won the championship with what one win. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that uh, Ryan Newman in one of the first years of the Championship 4 format made it to the Championship 4 without a single win. He almost won it. He finished second in that race <laughs> in 2014. That was Kevin Harvick's championship. Yeah, he almost blew up the whole thing right <laughs> off the bat. <laughs> oh, that would have been something. Definitely, definitely. So anyway, I thought that was a fun thing to do. A really simple, easy way to be like, you know, if you really break these things down they can often feel like they were there because they're cars that win races and do and did the right stuff in the format and the system they had. Exactly. Um, last thing, I just saw some people, and producer Josh asked about this, sort of the post-race of a championship race like this where the winner of the race is also not the champion. We obviously got to see this twice over the weekend, once in the trucks with Christian Eckes winning and Ben Rhodes being the champion, and then in – cup with ryan blaney winning the championship and ross chastain winning the race and sort of what happens afterwards you know we in tv only have so many pit reporters on the ground there is decisions have to be made but there is also with the championship some acquired things that just have to be done with supporting and showing the champion the biggest prize that is the most valuable prize that the sport has so of course mm-hmm. that takes precedence. Of course the drivers who were so close to that happening, or maybe you finish one position behind, are going to take precedence in getting their reaction to not getting the biggest prize the sport has over the entirety of a year. Um, and then of course you know you will interview the winner of the race if they even if, you know they weren't a part of the championship. Of course the race then takes precedence of who won that actual race. But on this day and then any time this happens, this this is no different. I think if you go look at broadcast back in the day of uh you know pre-playoff era if a champion is crowned on a day but wasn't the winner they are going to take precedence as the story and the moment that this is going to get an interview right 100 percent. so why not it's the biggest prize um so i think for some out there who thought you know it was like maybe there's snubs towards a driver or something it's just it's not happening trust me it's just that's not the story it's not the story on that day the story is the champion it's the way it is um they get their time, and winning races is always a big deal. I don't want to see anyone get out of the car and not be happy to win a race. That is a big deal, no matter which of these three series you do it in. But um, you know, to think that there's some sort of like, I don't know, behind the scenes uh, ulterior motive to not show that we're not talking about the winner. It's like no, it's not. I don't how know it goes. why I'm spending so much time talking about this. People, because the internet discusses these things, Landon, and I have to refute them. I know. It just it's it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's great to celebrate the winner of any race. So but there you go. Championship is what matters. Why would you? Why would you mm-hmm. shortchange yourself? And you we're only on the air so much. So we will yeah. uh, maybe we'll get Ross Chastain on uh, uh Money Lap on Live. Money Lap Live, and you guys could listen to him talk about his winning race, and he'll probably <laughs> tell you how he would have rather finished second and won the championship than win the race and not win the championship. <laughs> so, um, yeah. 
Although I had a crew chief tell me, Chris Gabehart, he said, I'd rather win this race, not the championship, because he had an amazing quote. He said, you are who you are when people aren't looking. And so basically, he's Denny Hamlin's crew chief. He's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but his point being that, you know, if you could perform at that level, not in the championship four and win this race, that's a pretty big statement. But nonetheless, we'll move cool. on. Yeah. Winning the championship would be definitely cool, though. I think. <laughs> I'll take the championship, Chris. That's all yeah. fully noble, but I'll take the championship. It pays a lot more here on the money line. Um, Would you take Daytona 500 over a championship, though? Ooh. No, I'd take the championship. I think I'll take the championship. Yeah, I'd just like to say I'm a champion. It was the best that year. That's something that means you just win forever now. You know, Ricky Stenhouse will be a Daytona 500 champion, but Ryan Blaney will simply be a champion. There you go. You know, the biggest And by winning a championship, he will probably get as many more Daytona 500 attempts yes. as he wants for the rest of his life. So that is true. He can have as many times as he can to get to it. And he's a great super speed racer, so he can get one. Let's move into Formula One. Um, they raced this past weekend in Brazil, the Sao Paulo Grand Prix. Uh, but the fun thing that I caught my eye this week was as we head towards Vegas, uh, Time Magazine, wrote an article on Max Verstappen, which I, I just had to take this quote out for you because I thought it was amazing. Basically, they talk about his domination, how he's the best F1 driver of all time, so on and so forth, mm-hmm. or just at least winning, you know, setting all these new records, not the best of all time. Don't quote me on that. Anyway, setting all sorts of new records. And they get to this analyst who's viewing Liberty Media and F1 as like a stock pick. And he said, as great as Verstappen as great as Verstappen, says Barton Crockett, senior research analyst for Rosenblatt Securities, who covers Liberty Media, F1's U.S.-based parent company, is right now, he looks like the biggest biggest risk, risk to the business. <laughs> was Michael Schumacher a risk to F1? That was my meat response to a fan who was like, <laughs> because we, okay. I literally, that's so funny. This fan was like, well, because he's never, no one's ever won like this, blah, blah. And I was like, of course, you know, yes, percentage wise, right now, Max Verstappen is over 80% of the wins, right? This season. It's insane. If he doesn't win the next two, though, he could fall to 77%. The most, the highest percentage winning year for Michael Schumacher was 72% in 2004. What's the highest highest ever? The highest ever was uh, 77%, I think, by Ascari. So Max will um, probably beat that this year. Yeah, yeah, he'll have it beat. So the 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 thing that stuck out to me though, I was like, but my response though was, I'm sorry, but really, when anyone goes over half the races won, I kind of tune out for that point <laughs> of terms. Like, what percentage are we talking about here? And so when you're up in these seventy to eighty percent range, pretty much feels the same to me. So Michael Schumacher <laughs> did not. Did not crater F1 into oblivion. I don't think that's going to happen for Max Verstappen winning all the time. But Mr. Barton Crockett of Rosenblatt Securities and Research and guy who moves things on Excel sheets, we, we think you'll be just fine, buddy. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the races were pretty good this weekend in terms of some great battles, by the way, in Brazil. You had the sprint race. And yep. then you also had uh, a photo finish for third. Obviously, Max won. Lando Norris was in second. Got that wrong in our picks. But the battle for third between Alonso and Perez was actually pretty epic. Pretty awesome. Um, Norris, Lando is just f- 
firing on all cylinders right now. And he is making a case for either McLaren needing to deliver on this, you know, performance that they're giving him, mm -hmm. or he's going to get scooped up. I think, I think that's always the rumor right now, right? What would it, what would it, Lando Norris versus Max Verstappen in a Red Bull look like? That would be fun, and I think that you know I'm 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 making this up as I go, but I'm feeling this right now. I'm feeling this energy, so go with me here. <laughs> I think that that's the storyline that F1 fans need is a is not, or maybe maybe it's the one we need or the one we're gonna get or something that they'll get excited about is a Red Bull on Red Bull rivalry. Mm -hmm. Because the manufacturer on manufacturer rivalry, you know, for, you know, Ferrari versus Red Bull or Mercedes or you know somebody stepping up and really being—I mean, obviously that's ideal for motorsports and racing, and we would love to see that. But Red Bull is so far ahead of everybody else right now that the coolest, most unique storyline that we could see is an actual rivalry for the championship within the organization. Yeah, which happens. But that would be awesome. That was 2016, uh, Mercedes, right? Yeah. We've seen it, before, you know, when Nico and Lewis were as close. You know, we've also, and you and I have talked about this a ton, but we've seen where teams actually have two drivers that are too close, and it craters it, right? Right, right. That, that was the that was the flip side of this conversation. Is that it hurts them. Red Bull is not by design is not designed to be that way. So we no, won't get and to it's, see it. none of them are. It's just it's not. But it, when it happens, when they when they when they get. You know, when the second when we the get B, <laughs> yeah, when the B driver rises up, that's when it's really interesting. Nico Rosberg rose up for one year; it took everything out of him so much so he retired. <laughs> like, you know, like that's just it's what it took. So yeah. I, I think it would be cool. I don't know how we'd get it. You know, I think a Charles Leclerc would be the same level of putting someone in one of those in a Red Bull that could go up against Max Verstappen, right? Yeah. Um, but do they want or do you sit there? You know, Fernando Alonso was a cautionary tale to anyone like Charles Leclerc or Landon Norris in that he had an almost unbelievably perfect record of picking the wrong team at the wrong time. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that guy should it. have a lot more chip chips. Feels familiar. He jumped around a lot too much. Oh, yeah? You had that issue? It's <laughs> <laughs> <What's> happened. <laughs> we could talk more about track limits, but trust me, I'm tired of track limits. Just know that Haas has protested the usgp 13 oh days with it before the 14 day limit for protest happened i don't even want to talk about it i don't care but i'm just so glad <laughs> that these these rules have now basically allowed some people <laughs> like, in air-conditioned rooms with button downs on all to make more decisions. Proceedings of the dumbest <laughs> conversations in motorsports <laughs> ruling for the FIA bring forth the plaintiffs <laughs> and the defendants, have... the entire world. <laughs> we have evidence that this car went over some white lines when it shouldn't have. Oh, 13 God. days later. Dumbest. Please, please. We'll have get time to go over this on Money Lap Live. Yes, please. But I don't uh, want to one talk of the things, about it right now. No, one of the things we will discuss is the Las Vegas Grand Prix that F1 is happening uh, here in the next two weeks, and some some news coming out is basically that the ticket prices and hotel rooms are in free fall. Some of the room, the rooms, the average room is down fifty eight percent. The tickets have been slashed. I had heard 
about two or three weeks ago from someone within the paddock that this was a, occurring. Um, I didn't fully look into it too much, but now it is becoming public that this is absolutely happening. So, you know, I think it is going to be – this is an experiment, right? This is an experiment of a motorsport series doing something this big. Um, For 10 years. That isn't the number one – yeah, and this isn't the number one motorsport in America. So they are taking massive risk, and this is uh, – you know, this could be some of the blowback. I think, you know, one of the things I really think is that when you look at F1 – I mean, I just this Las Vegas GP. I had this discussion with someone. Everyone's never. Most people didn't even look because I bet they saw all the the one million dollar room packages and fifty thousand a night packages. And oh yeah, all this stuff. And I personally sat there and thought, I'm not even gonna look. I'm not, not even gonna look. I'm not even gonna care. And so, sure enough, they ran everybody out. They ran, you know, probably ran out people like you and me who maybe said, Hey, that would've been cool. I'll go. You know, if you didn't have all this craziness um, that just seemed like. No, mm-hmm. I'm not even going to spend that to go there. So that uh, well, we were looking at going, were, and I was like, I don't even want to think about a hotel. Yeah, I know. Now maybe we should, maybe we should, maybe we should uh, call our contacts back up and get some passes. All right, we'll try. When is maybe it? We'll try. What's the date? It's, uh, two weeks, November seventeenth. Oh no, it's next weekend. Sorry, it's All next right. weekend. Let's go. Let's go. I'm in. <laughs> All right, you heard it here. Money Lap Live from Las Vegas GP. We'll make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> Reporting live. Clayton Parker on Paddock. Last couple things to dive into here. Uh, Producer Josh says he also better be there if we go. So we'll make it happen. <laughs> Definitely not in the budget. We're going to go to the – we're just going to get gonna a – cos- slash the hotel prices another We're just going to get a, hot, a hotel room at the Cosmopolitan and set up <clears> our <throat> mics on the balcony, and that will be our studio. for the, That will be our passes. <laughs> Give you a live viewing. We need to do a set of our mics right on the street there and just catch all the passerbys. <laughs> um, NASCAR man underscore RR on Twitter does this great thing where he does auto racing average television viewers for mm-hmm. the whole year. And I thought this was fascinating. We brought it up before, but the cup finale um, was 15th of all the races this year. Formula wow. One's top race is down in 39th, and that was Miami GP. And of course, um, Xfinity's highest was their Daytona race, the first one. So Cup then controls basically everything else besides the Indy 500, which is second. So, mm. so yeah. the highest rated F1 race was not even higher rated than the highest rated Xfinity, Xfinity. race. Correct. Yes. Hmm. There are people that are far smarter than us that will tell us it's about the demographic and the demo, um, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know. That seems like a, <laughs> seems like a lot of people between those two spots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, Chicago uh, was the basically the second highest cup race, which is pretty cool. I thought that was awesome. That's a great example. You know, NASCAR has a draw if it can put it. Another right one that's places. worth noting too is is uh, the fifth highest race you would never guess is Fontana, but that just shows how important that early season bump is for our sport. We get yep. a huge bump, like just the start of the season. That's why it's so important for that start of the season, those first few venues being really good venues, races that we don't have weather issues. You know, I think that was probably part of the reason why originally why Atlanta had lost. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
being able to go to the West Coast, knowing that there's not going to be a lot of rain in the past, I think that probably played a big role in going straight from Daytona to the West Coast. Being able to have a race scheduled on time and carry that Daytona momentum, that's, um, I've been told countless times from my friends at NASCAR over the years that that momentum carries really far for those first three or four races. It's a great point, and I'm going to bring up another part of that, which is the Daytona 500 broadcast is possibly the most important broadcast of the year. And yeah. not just because it's the largest audience, but it's the most important broadcast in informing a huge amount of people mm-hmm. why they should watch all year and can you know feel like They're they should get in. Yeah, they they should be invested in, in. Think about when you watch like the Kentucky Derby and they do a great or the Olympics, which comes every four years, and you get invested in a story like Michael Phelps because you've been read a ton, or they do an amazing piece on yeah, you know the, makes the pre shows. Right, and it makes you want to keep up with it. That Daytona 500 broadcast is is everything to the NASCAR world and to motorsports in America. And same with the Indy 500, it gets you, it makes you want to keep going. If they tell enough great stories that make you compelled to watch those drivers and those teams and the cars and whatever, right? I mean, mm-hmm. eight set. What is it? Seven million or six million more people watched Daytona 500 than the last race of the season, the championship. You know, we lo- those six million just were there to watch the Daytona 500, and we didn't get them for the last race, right? Like to me, that is uh, that shows like you know there's there's opportunity. So yep, yep. There's op- Absolutely. Now you could look. Some people look at it negatively. Me, this has been the same trend ever. To me, it's an opportunity. It says, hey, wait, let's grab those people. They were interested enough for this one. Let's get them for the others. Um, last bit of motorsport news out there in the Formula One world. Their revenues in the third quarter of this year were up 24% over 2022, hmm. uh, which basically came out to um, – I'm sorry. I read this wrong. <laughs> uh, they rose from $715 million to $887 million, hmm. which was just a lot. Yep. Yep. So – How many is that per team? Um. Or is that a good? So was, are we calculating it that way? Is that well? So the the teams uh, basically the ten F one teams shared payments of four hundred thirty two million between them during the quarter, up from three hundred seventy million in twenty twenty two. They basically get half the sports revenue. Um, it's a good so deal. If you, yeah, if you just broke that up, what's what twenty one point six million per car? So in F one, the tracks do not get the the no, tracks got to fight for their food. They pay. That's how it works. Yeah, they and they all pay different sanction fees. Like your your you know Singapore Grand Prix pays a lot higher sanction fee than some of the the more desirable ones. venues. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Even though so, they're desirable, it's just far away. Whatever they're newer, they they just pay a higher sanction fee. So um, yeah, and that's where like the biggest topic in NASCAR and team owners and all that stuff is that the, in NASCAR the tracks get a huge portion of mm-hmm. the share. The biggest and portion. I, I think if you, you know, not to, not to be put anyone down here, but the Chicago street course race mm-hmm. wasn't at a track. Yeah. And it was the second highest rated cup race of the, of the year. Oh. Yeah. Weird. 
So maybe we could be, maybe the sport could be a little bit more mobile. <laughs> I think so. Except that I the sport so. owns the tracks. So the, yeah. the the overlords of the sport are good friends in NASCAR, who we love dearly. They own the tracks. So <laughs> kind of hard to negotiate against themselves. It's hard math. Like, it's hard math. Yeah. It's difficult. Okay. I think on that note, I just want to remind everyone, the Money Lap live Next week, Wednesdays from 12 to 3 p.m. Eastern on our YouTube, on Twitch. We're going to figure out which Twitches it's going to be on, but it's going to be on all of them. Um, Wait, 12 it's to gonna 3, be that's four hours. Well, three. No, it's not One, four hours. One, two, three. Oh, it's three hours. Three yeah, hours. I was like, what, oh, what are we ca- where are we counting? Oh, I'm glad it's only three. <laughs> what are we going to talk about for three hours? We usually do an hour and a half just just two. We're going to have I, like three or four am guests. Am I going to be able to get up and go to the bathroom? Yes, there will be breaks. Am I going to be able to eat lunch while I'm doing this? Absolutely. Okay. 100%. (laughs) It is, there will be lunch provided uh, by yourself. It's B-Y-O-L. So we're not not catering, Money Lab is not catering lunch to me. Okay, got it. Absolutely not the budget. Nope, we spent it all on graphics. And you're going to (laughs) be really impressed by our graphics. Awesome. Awesome. See you all there. Looking forward to it. Check it out. Oh, we'll also put out some emails announcing it. So we'll look forward to it. That's the pod. Peace. Thanks for listening to The Money Lap. As always, check out themoneylap.com for the best five minutes in motorsports or sometimes just the coolest stuff in motorsports. Delivered directly to your inbox three times a week. Check us out on YouTube. We're growing fast over there. And, of course, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. We're all over the Internet. We're spreading the word of how cool motorsports is. Check us out.